Shalom. Shalom. That was terrible. Come on. <laughs> shalom. Shalom. All right. Who knows what shalom means? Peace. Yep, it does mean hello, hi, how are you, and goodbye, I'll see you later. So some people wonder if we Jews know if we're coming or going because of that. Uh, but I'm a missionary with Jews for Jesus, and a lot of people think that Jews for Jesus is a contradiction in terms, kind of like saying vegetarians for meat, right? But Jesus was Jewish, right? And the apostles, Peter, John, James, they were all Jews. And in all the writers of the New Testament, with the possible exception of Luke, were Jewish. And even Luke was a doctor, so he could have been Jewish, or at, or at least his mother might have been. Uh, but anyway, in the beginning, believing in Jesus was a really Jewish thing to do. And in fact, when the first Gentiles wanted to believe in Jesus, oy vey, did we have problems. Never before had Gentiles wanted to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob without first converting to Judaism. So God had to give the Apostle Peter three visions, right, before he finally got up enough chutzpah, enough nerve, to go to the house of Cornelius. And he went there and preached the gospel, and what happened? His whole family got saved, and that was great. But later, he went back to his fellow apostles in Jerusalem to tell them what he'd done, and there was such an uproar, we had to hold the first church council to resolve this burning question. What to do with the Gentiles for Jesus? Well, God told us it was okay. In fact, it was a good thing for Gentiles to be for Jesus. And we got so excited about that, we sent you guys some of our best missionaries, like Paul and Barnabas and Silas and... They did such a great job, after a while, there's more Gentiles for Jesus than Jews for Jesus. And we found out that was all part of God's plan from the beginning to break down that middle wall of partition. And because of that, you and I are all one in the body of Messiah. Amen? Amen. And because of that, you share with us in the rich heritage of the people of Israel. All that God did to reveal himself through these festivals becomes your heritage through the Messiah. And this morning, we're looking at a special part of this heritage in the feast and celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, or as it's called in Hebrew, Sukkot. And we read beforehand the passage where God told us how we were to obey this, this how we were to celebrate this ceremony, and he gives us two commands, remember and rejoice. The first command, remember, is not said specifically in the word, remember, but the whole purpose of the holiday was that your generations may know that I brought the, the, the Jewish people out of the land of Egypt. So how could parents teach their children, their kids, what God had done if we ourselves forgot about it? And so again, you don't see the specific word remember, but it's implied in the whole purpose of the holiday, that your generations may know. And we were supposed to remember by building and live, living in temporary huts, tabernacles, booths, sukkahs, for one week each year. And we've set up one here um, to show you an idea for what people make these days. And the rabbis say they're supposed to have three walls and a thatched roof so that when you're outside, you can look up and see the stars when, when it's the middle of the night. And um, they're supposed to be really rickety, 
so that we remember once we were comfortably settled in the land of Egypt that God had brought us safely in that whole 40 years of wandering in the desert experience and that we lived in tents during that whole 40-year time. And so once we were comfortably settled, God wanted us to remember not to rely on the material comforts and conveniences he's given us, but to rely directly on God, who's the giver of all those good things himself. And um, usually kids will hang pieces of fruit or food on the sukkah to tell God, thank you for providing that food. And Israel, especially back then, when they first got to the land, was very much an agrarian society. It was in the middle of the desert, and the only way they would have food is if God sent the rains. So if any food showed up, they were like, thank you, God, so much for giving us this rain and making that food possible. And they put up pieces of fruit to tell God, thank you. And if you guys go into Jewish neighborhoods in Chicago, you'll see sukkahs that people set up as well, um, depending on different styles of the areas. And so at Sukkot, it's a time to tell God, thank you for what he's done for us and to put up pieces of food. And a lot of people think that the idea for the American holiday Thanksgiving actually comes from this biblical holiday of, of Sukkot, when we remember what God has done and tell him thank you for his provision. And um, when we take all that time to remember God's great deliverance, we also remember that even though uh, we were wandering in the desert for 40 years, God didn't leave us to wander alone. He came with us with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But I think you guys remember what led into that. As soon as our people were out of the land of Egypt, we were quick to forget what God had done, right? As soon as the food and water started to run low, we started to kvetch, to complain. We were saying, Moses, we didn't have enough tzuras, enough trouble back in the land of Egypt. You had to bring us here to the wilderness to die? And as a result of that complaining, we had a rather extended camping trip, right? 40 years in the wilderness, and no four-wheel drive to get over the rough spots. And people wonder why Jews don't like camping anymore. <laughs> 40 years was enough. But in addition to God going with us with his pillar of cloud and his pillar of fire, he also gave us his tabernacle, his tent, as the place where we could be reconciled to God. He chose to offer us sinful, messed-up people a chance to be forgiven for our sins by the sacrifices that were brought there to his tabernacle, his tent of meeting. And that was the way God chose to go with us. So over and over again, even though we kept rebelling against him, he chose to go with us through those whole wilderness wanderings and to stick by our side anyways. That's the kind of God that we serve. He knows we keep stumbling and rebelling against him and going on a cycle of troubles and trials but he chooses to go with us and offer us forgiveness anyways. And that's what Sukkot is about, remembering how God dwelt with us, especially back there in the tabernacle. And then, when we take all that time to remember all God has done for us and to be made right with him, the natural outcome is to rejoice. And that's the next command God gave, remember and rejoice. And he didn't just say rejoice for a little while, he said rejoice for seven days have a seven-day party. And the way we were to rejoice is with these two items. It mentions taking different types of trees and special-smelling fruits, it says. And we were to rejoice before the Lord. And here's the way that most Jewish people do it today, with the lulav and the etrog. 
Lulav means sprout in Hebrew, and it's made up of three different types of leafy branches that are all tied together. And these names are mentioned in verse 40 of, the, of chapter 23 that we read before. And it says, in the middle, we take pine branches, or, pine, or palm leaves, excuse me, and the long branches, these remind us of the spine or the backbone. And then on one side, we take willow leaves, and these long, thin leaves remind us of the, of the eyes, and then the tiny one, excuse me, of lips. And on the other side, you have myrtle leaves, and the tiny round ones, these remind us of the eyes. So when we take it, we tie it all together, and that makes a lulav. And then you have an etrog, which is kind of like a lemon on steroids. And um, this, this represents the heart. So you hold this in your left hand, the side by your heart, and you hold this in your right hand, and you wave it before the Lord, and everybody in the family takes turns waving it in all four directions. North, south, east, west, up above and down below, acknowledging that God is the ruler of the four corners of the earth and that he does rule over heaven and over earth. And is anybody here um, under the age of 12 brave enough to come up and be the, wave the lulav for us and the etrog? Anybody want to be a... Uh, what's your name right there? Caleb. Caleb, give him a hand. All right, Caleb, come on up. All right. All right. Does anybody know which way is east from here? Which way is east? That way? This way? Okay. We're supposed to face east because that's Jer towards Jerusalem. So face over that way. So that, first of all, wave it three times to the north. All right. And three times to the south. This way? All right. And then to the east. Then to the west. Then up high. Then down below. All right, Caleb. Good job. Thank you so much. All right. That's a good Jewish name, Caleb. Good job. That's great. Yeah. And with all that rejoicing going on, it's no wonder another name for the holiday is Zaman Simchatenu, the season of our rejoicing. Again, we were to rejoice that God had provided all that good food for us and respond with thanksgiving. And um, if you guys will remember, though, it's interesting, by the time the Jewish people were settled in the Promised Land, from Joshua till the time of Nehemiah, the Bible doesn't mention them celebrating that feast at all, except for one time. The, the, the King Solomon, when he dedicated his temple, he chose to dedicate it on that day, the Feast of Tabernacles. And on that day, God once again showed that he was pleased to dwell in our midst, and when his Shekinah glory came in and filled that temple in a very physical, present way. And so God once again showed he was pleased to dwell with us sinful, messed up people there in that temple again. But then, fast forward to Jesus' day. By his time, Sukkot had become such a big deal again, they even called it just the Feast of the Lord, or even just the Feast. And we're going to look at what Jesus said on that feast in John chapter 7. Let's go to John chapter 7, verses 37 to 41. And you can almost feel the tension here. The Jewish leaders were openly opposing Jesus and trying to get him arrested. And even his own brothers were doubting that he really was the Messiah 
and they're daring him to go show up at the temple. And they don't, again, but they don't, he doesn't go with them. He goes quietly without fanfare, and he does start teaching in the temple. And while he's teaching there at the temple, we're going to see what he said, um, starting in verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Messiah. Still others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? And in order to understand what was going on on that last day, the last day of the feast was called Hoshana Rabbah, the great day. And on that day, the, the, the Jewish people had many celebrations that didn't take place on all the other days. And one, one rabbi later said about one of the ceremonies called the water drawing ceremony, which is the, the climax of the whole day, he said, if anybody's never seen this water drawing ceremony, they've never seen rejoicing in their life. And for this, I'm going to need some, some help. If you guys are between the age of 6 and 12, put up your hand right now. Okay, if you're between the age of 6 and 12, come on up to the front, all right? 6 and 12, everybody come up to the front. I need you guys' help, all right? So who here is going to be, who will be the priest? What's your name? Mayak. Mayak? All right, so Mayak, is that Mayak, is that how you say it? Yeah. Mayak, cool. All right, Mayak's going to be the priest. So he's going to carry these two pictures, and here's what's going on. There's a huge, you guys are all a huge parade of people praising God. So I want you guys all to start shouting, Hoshana, 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 Hoshana. Go ahead and do that, all right? That means save us. Hoshana, 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 Hoshana. All right, now you got the practice, all right? So here's what you're going to do. The priest, he's going to lead everybody on a huge parade down to the pool of Siloam, which is going to be right over there. And he's going to pretend to scoop up some water from the pool. And the, the people are going to be shouting Hoshana as he goes down. And he's going to come back, scoop up some water. And then he's going to come in up here and pour out the water into this bowl right here. Okay. So he's, he's going to pour out the water into the bowl over here. I'll pour some out already. There you go. That's for practice. Okay. And so when he comes back, um, then... Um, everybody's going to stop when he pours, starts pouring out the water and watch what goes on. So everybody fo follow the priest down to the pool, shouting, Hoshana, 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 Hoshana. All right. Now you're going to grab some water. Pretend you're grabbing some water. All right. You got it? Hoshana, 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 Hoshana. Hoshana. All right, now he's pouring it out. And when the last drops out, everybody in the whole congregation cheered. Woohoo! All right, you guys can go sit down. Thank you, guys.
Here's why they did that. It was a way to tell God, thank you for providing that water and giving us the water so we can have the food for that year to come. But Hoshana meant save us, save us. And when they poured out that water, they remembered that God also said when he sends his Messiah, he's going to pour out his spirit like water on the people and save them and and send the Messiah to them. So every year at this Feast of Tabernacles, they would pour out this water and say, God, save us, save us. When are you going to send your Messiah and pour out your spirit on us like water, just like you promised? And it's interesting, on that same day, Hoshana Rabbah, when that might have been going on, that Jesus came in and shouted out, I am the living water. Anyone who drinks from me will not have, have thirst anymore and will have eternal life. So he makes huge claims right on that day to be the promised one, the Messiah, and that God was going to send his spirit on the people just like he promised. And so when a lot of people heard him say that, a lot said, he's the prophet. Other people said, yeah, he's the Messiah. But some doubted him that he was the Messiah just because he did work in Galilee. But the people who were doubting him because he was working in Galilee forgot one of the prophecies of Isaiah. For Isaiah said, There will be no more gloom for her who are in distress. In the past, God had humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. For the people living in great darkness will see a great light, and those living in the land of darkness a light will dawn. And that brings us to the next symbol that Jesus used to point to himself at Sukkot that would have been very familiar in the minds of the people, and that is light. And you got to know, on the top of the tallest temple, or on the top of the tallest hill of the whole city was the temple, of course. And in the court of the women, there on Sukkot, there was four gigantic candelabras, each of them about 75 feet tall. And on the top of each of them were four golden bowls, each holding about 10 gallons of oil. And on the first night of Sukkot, four young men would take huge jugs of oil and go up there and fill up all the bowls, and then they would be lighted right there. And this light here can't compare even close to what you'd see up there on the temple, but the reason that they had these blazes lit up was that the people remembered in the first temple time that God's presence, his glory, had filled that temple, and his light lit up the temple. But they also remembered what the prophets said, that they saw his glory leave the temple because of the rebellion of the people. Because of our sin, God's glory left that first temple, and he chose to leave because we were worshiping idols instead of him. And so he said, okay, you guys, you rebelled against me, I'm leaving. And the prophets said, He left. We saw this glory leave. So in Jesus' time, he was around during the second temple, and his temple did not have that same glory dwelling there the way the first one had. So every year at Sukkot, they would light these lights, those huge blazes, as a way way to ask God, when are you going to send your light and dwell with us like you used to in that first temple? Why aren't you here, God? When are you going to come back again? So does anybody have a guess what Jesus said the day right after Sukkot? Right, I am the light of the world. 
Anyone who drink, believes in me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So again, he made huge claims, claiming to be that light and that presence there again. So God once again was pleased to dwell with his people there in that temple, the second temple. And it was promised that the glory of the second temple would be greater than that of the first. And the reason was that God would be there in person with them and talking with them one to one. And Jesus said, hey guys, that's me. Yet again, many believed in him, but way many more did not believe in him. And especially the Jewish leaders did not believe that he was the Messiah and that he was the only way to God like he claimed. And unfortunately, that's still the truth today. Most Jewish leaders and lots of the Jewish people in the world don't yet believe that he is the Messiah. And that's why we do what we do at Jews for Jesus. And when he came in, he got one of these, small, one of these white flyers. Could you please pull that out and start bending it back and forth on the perforated line? But don't tear it yet, because we're going to participate in an ancient Jews for Jesus tradition called the tearing of the card on the count of three. All right? And I'll give you the count in Hebrew. Here we go. Echad, Steim, Shalosh. Not bad. <laughs> if you'll put the little card down, start filling out the large card, and after, a while, after the presentation, we'll take an offering for the work of Jews for Jesus. When we do, please drop this in, and we'll send you guys our free monthly newsletter so you can pray about our work. And if you want to get the email updates on our family as we work here in Chicago, put your email address here too, and we'll keep you updated about our family. But you might be wondering, what do you guys actually do? What is this at Jews for Jesus? What are you guys talking about? Our mission statement is on a smaller card. It says, we exist to make the Messiahship of Jesus an unavoidable issue to our Jewish people worldwide. And we do that in a lot of ways. The way we're most known for is for wearing bright t-shirts that say Jews for Jesus and going to college campuses and subways and street corners and handing out our gospel tracts. We call them broadsides, and they have strange titles like Jesus for Jews or Beware of Religious Fanatics Handing Out Pamphlets. <laughs> we have fun with those, but anybody we meet on the street, we ask them, who do you think Jesus is? And it's amazing to see some people will have spiritual conversations out there on the street. And after we meet someone from a Jewish background, we'll invite them to come sit down with us later at a coffee shop, at their home, and we'll show them that the Old Testament points to Jesus everywhere, and then that the New Testament is a really Jewish book they've been missing out on. And if you guys have any Jewish friends or family members, um, we'd love to talk with you afterwards at the table back there. There's some free materials, like some gospel tracts if you want to pick up to give to your friends. And there's some not-so-free materials, too. Uh, the newest book just came out. is called Stories of Jews for Jesus. It has testimonies of many Jewish people who've come to believe in Jesus. And it has my dad's story in there, too. Um, he, had a Jewish, or he had a Christian friend in the Air Force Reserve who dared him to read the New Testament. And he said, I'm Jewish. I don't touch that thing. And he prayed every day God would make him miserable enough that he'd open it. And after two years, my dad lost six jobs. He's like, okay, God, you're getting to me. He opened it up, and he looked through, and he saw right at the beginning, wait a minute, Jesus was descended from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David? What are my people doing in your book? 
He thought the New Testament was like an Italian book or something like that, you know? But as a result of reading it, he came to believe Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Two years later, he joined Jews for Jesus, so I was grateful to have grown up in a house where it was taught that he clearly was the Messiah. And when I was 16, I too put my trust in Jesus and thought, what else would I want to do than work with Jews for Jesus as well? So thankfully, I met my wife, Leah, through Jews for Jesus, and both of our dads are Jewish, both of our moms are Gentile, so we're equally mixed up and confused, you know? Um, but please be praying for our work as we serve in Skokie, a nice little Jewish neighborhood up, up, up north town. And um, if, you want to know, if you want to come with us, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, we always go hand out tracks to shoppers on Michigan Avenue and on State Street. So if anybody would like to come with us, just write somewhere on the, on the card that you drop in later, I'd like to go with you. Somewhere on the card, on the, like on the back or somewhere like that. Um, and please be praying about that. And the little card is for you to keep. And it says, I especially want to remember to pray for, and there's a blank. And if you have a Jewish friend or family member that does not yet know Jesus, write their name on there, stick this card in your Bible, on your fridge, anywhere where you, like to, where you remember to pray for that person to have open heart to hear the gospel. And every Thursday night, um, we take a group of Moody students, Moody Bible Institute students, to go hand out tracts on the Devon, and Devon area. And we walk up and down the street. And this last um, time we were out there, we met a, a, a Jewish man named, named I, forget his last, I forget his name, I think it was Abraham. And he said, oh, my parents are Orthodox, but I was in the army for a long time. And now I'm kind of searching. I've been to every country in the world. I've visited people from this religion and that religion. I believe they all could be true. Um, but he said, if you're ever in this area again, come sit down. We'd love to talk some more, read the Bible some more. So pray for this guy, Abraham, that he will have an open heart to hear the gospel and put his trust in Jesus as well. And be praying, of course, for your Jewish friends and family members. We'd love to talk with you there afterwards. And on the large card is a line that says, I'm a believer in Jesus and contributing blank for the work of Jews for Jesus. If you do want to give, write the amount on the line there so we can send you a receipt. But there's two kinds of people who should not give to the work. First of all, we're over and above ministry, which means we think your tithes and offerings should go to your home church first. So pray about giving over and above. See what God would have you do. But secondly, if you don't yet believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he died for your sins, came back from the dead, don't give anything, because we think God does have a free gift for you first. It's eternal life through Jesus. But if you would like to give, that'd be great. Pray about it. Want to make a check? Just make it to Jews for Jesus. Um, but go ahead and drop this in later again, and you can get our free monthly newsletter. All right, back to Sukkot. All right, all God's calendar um, is, of course, a prophetic calendar, and all the holidays point forward to him doing different things. And I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, but I do work for a nonprofit organization. Uh, <laughs> but do you, you guys remember when... Jesus brought his two closest disciples to the top of that mountain, excuse me, his three closest disciples, and there they witnessed his transfiguration, right? Does anybody remember what Peter lorded out when he saw all that happening? Right, let's build three tabernacles. When he saw that happening, he, he said, let's build three sukkahs. And I think the reason he did that was he remembered um, one of the things that Zechariah said from Zechariah 14.16.
1416. Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So it says, in the future, all the countries are going to attack Israel, and God's going to come back and protect them and judge the countries that attacked them. But then all the survivors every year in the future are going to come together to praise God and have that Feast of Tabernacles together. So when Peter saw that happening, when he saw Jesus being transfigured, he thought, here's Jesus setting up his kingdom. Let's start the party now, you know? Eternity's begun. Here's God's kingdom. Praise God. Let's start it. But thankfully, God gave you and I the chance to be born and the chance to come and believe in Jesus before that happens. And we still have time now to tell our Jewish friends and family members about him and that they too can trust in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Let's take a minute now to pray for them. God, we thank you for the chance to be here together. Um, We pray you would go before us all. Give us all boldness telling everybody that we can about you, Lord God. Please soften the hearts of many more Jewish friends and family members of everybody in this room and draw them to trust in you before it's too late. Thank you for keeping us alive till now so we can be saved and trust in you and help us to tell many more people about you, Lord God. And thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name.